Gunnar Stee, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. We tell Irish myths with music and have a chat about it in the next episode. My name is Sarika and I'm here with my brother Aaron Hegarty. This week we are listening to the story of the first battle of Moitura, told by Sarika and me. This podcast is brought to you thanks to our Patreon supporters. Thank you. Go to candlelittales.ie to find out more about us or follow us on any social media at Candlelit Tales. Now, Sorka, tell us a story, will you? The shriek of the goddess reverberated around the hall. Throughout the reign of King Ochi of the Firbolg, no rain had fallen, only gentle dew at dawn. But now, for the first time in decades, Ushered in by the shriek of the goddess, the Firbolg heard it, drumming on their roofs. A cold rain began to fall. And all of the Firbolg looked at each other. But they had decided. And they were not a people who knew the meaning of backing down. And so the Firbolg, with their king, Ochi, and their champion, Shreng. They made their way west to the plain of the battle to come. All the time they marched, the battle crow flew overhead, shrieking and screaming, raining down on them fire and blood. And when they got to the place of the battle, began to make their preparations they set their own sorcerers against her and by rallying all together the magic workers of the Fairbulg were able to put an end at last to the maddening noise of the battle crow and the Marignu was silenced for the time being they dug themselves a trench a great trench, the place where all their attacks would come from, the place they could retreat to at the end of the day. And they dug a healing well, and their healers cast herbs into it. And they did not know it then, but that trench they made would become known as the Trench of the Packs, for the packs of wild dogs that would come there, drawn by the scent of blood that was on the air. As they were making ready, an envoy of the Tua de Danon came to them, the poet, Carbra. And he came with smiles and he came with promises and he came with gifts. Carbra said to them, Would you like us to make your spears for you? Seeing as the Tua de Danon have such light and wonderful spears, so sharp, so venomous, so deadly. And King Uchi, he could not see a downside to this, and so he agreed. Carbara said to them, Since it is that you are going to accept a gift from us, we will accept a gift from you as well and we will take the decision of how the forces are to be arranged. We don't want to fight all at once. 
and have the battle over the course of one day. We want to have a battle over the course of many days, with four battalions against four battalions on each day. And Uchi, the king of the Firbolg, the first high king of Ireland, glared at the earth in front of him. But he could not say anything to Carbra, because he had agreed to the two of the Danon gift and they were owed a gift in return. It was true what the poet said. But he'd twisted truth to his own advantage. The Firbolg were more numerous than the Tuatha Dé Danann. They had 11 battalions and the Tuatha Dé had only eight. And now they had given away their advantage for the sake of the spears of the Tuatha Dé. Oh, he had one more preparation to make. One more idea that he thought might help them in the battle to come that might even make the difference. There was a great sage living in Ireland, a man who had been there long before the Fairbolg, long before Nemed had come, long, long, long ago, who had met them and been a counsellor to them from time to time. His name was Fintan MacBokra, and now in the hour of their great need, Ochi, the king of the Fairbolg, sent for the sage, for his counsel. The rain lashed and lashed and lashed with whipping wind. Carbara came back to the Tui de Danon, where they were on the coast where they had burned their ships. Nuada, the king of these people, asked Carbara what was the news. War would be needed to be prepared for, Carbara told him. And so they made their tracks away from the coast to make a fort for themselves and make preparations. And, as Carbra informed him, to make weapons and spears for the Fearbolag, because this was how they tricked them into not using their numbers against them. They would offer slick and shining weapons, but not their best, and certainly not their healing wells. Adin Kecht set about digging a great well to fill with healing herbs so that he could rejuvenate all that went into battle. But while they were making preparations and weapons for their foes, they saw someone coming towards them, an emissary from the Fearbullock. Ruud was his name. Ruud came with fifteen behind him, all of them holding... Hurleys. A challenge was dealt to Tuatha Danann. A game of hurling would have to be had. Nuada, the king of the Tuatha, set forth a team of great hurlers, skillful and slick, young and great in every way of this fantastic game. After all, they both knew the game. And when the ball was thrown in, the great game was had, and they watched as the skill and speed of the Tuatha Danann could be seen for all. Slick and sharp were their movements from one side of the pitch to the other, crossing the ball, great feats and great displays as the fear bullock led by Ruud, buried and bashed and hit and fiercely fought for the ball. Then, as the game began to tip away from Ruud and the Fearbolg, they began to hit a 
and bludgeon and batter and bruise, using their hurlies as weapons now, not going for the ball at all. And Ruud then crushed a man's head in his hand, and the hurlies cracked skulls, and the bodies of the players that died in the field were piled together. The Cairn of the Hurlers was its name from that day forward. Ruad went back with news of their loss to the Fearbolg, and preparations were made to face the skillful and fast Tuatheidanim. Six weeks went by in these preparations as the Fearbolg sent the javelins to the Tuatheidanim, receiving the agile and cleverly crafted weapons that they had given them and the agreement was four battalions would be sent to the Fort of the Onsets. This was the name given to the two of the Danim's place for the many onsets that the Fearbolg threw at them. And when the battle was to be fought, the Dagda, the good god, he led four battalions of the two of the Danin forward to face the Fearbolg. Curb the leader of the Fear Bulg, he led their four battalions, and Fahak, the poet of the Fear Bulg, he brought a great pillar to stand in between, watching the two sides come towards each other, and like waves crashing off rocks, they fought against each other as Fahak, from his pillar, wept tears to see the bloodshed, as champion faced champion, and many lives were lost. Heads rolled and bloodshed onto the plain of Moichura as Fark watched, recorded to report it all at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, the two had they went back to their healing pools, and there their physician, Dean Kecht, he was able to restore the bodies of the two Adedanen. He was able to bring them back make them whole again. But he turned to his three brothers and he said, the Firbolg have the advantage, for they are more numerous than we are. Go and find out. Can they heal as well as I? And the following morning, King Ochi of the Firbolg went to the healing well alone and early to wash his hands and wash his face make himself ready for the day. Another gruelling day of overseeing this battle, directing his forces and watching from afar. And as he bent over the healing well, not so thick with herbs as that of the two a day, three warriors sprang out. The brothers of Dian Kecht, they pointed their weapons at Oki and he begged them for a chance to go back, to get his own weapons, to face them in a fair fight. But they said no, and they fell on him. And as he scrambled back in the wet grass, a champion of the Fairbolg sprang out in front of his king, threw his body in front of the weapons of the brothers of Dian Kecht, took the wounds they gave him, and gave them their wounds back again. He killed the three of them, and they cut him down. And Oki raised a cairn, the cairn of the champion. But from that day to this, his name was never known. The unknown champion who gave his life to save his king. It was never known 
he was never forgotten. That day, the battle did not go the Firbolg way. There were great heroic deeds done. Ruid, the hurler, he fought at single combat and he won. And although many were slaughtered, many to a Dedanon lost their lives, many more of the Firbolg were cut down, and more still were wounded and weary by the end of the fighting. They dragged themselves back to their fort that was already beginning to stink of blood, and corpses were already beginning to pile high around them. And at the end of every day of battle, each warrior of the Firbolg carried with him a stone in one hand and a trophy in the other, the head of an enemy if he had been able to cut one off. And they piled them next to the piles of the previous day. And just by looking at them, King Oki could see the pile of their fallen enemies was smaller. The pile of stones brought back by their returning warriors was smaller still. And Oki turned to Curb and said, Is it losing this battle we are? And Curb said, It is. With rolling thunder and cracking of lightning, the clouds gathered together and continued to shed rain down on the plains of Moitura. Sengen of the Firbolg had grey hair and knew he would not fight this day. So he looked to his son, the huge, colossal shoulders lifted the weighted four-sided helmet atop his head and Shreng picked up his battle axe, his heavy oaken shield and his rustic armour as he commanded the troops to follow his lead. Everyone was inspired when Shreng took to the field and Curb alongside him knew the heroes that would go and face the two a day this day. But when they saw the battle club being swung by the Dagda and him calling a great cry for the Tuatha Dé to face the Firbolg, they saw great cries echo all over the land as they saw pillars of stone being brought forth from druids and poets and all of those that were climbing upon it to watch down, cast spells and record sonnets and songs and stories for this day, the third day, would see some great, brilliant battles fought this day. And they would have it all retained in their mind's eye, clear and crystal, Curb marshaled his section, the four battalions now facing the Tua de Danon. As they faced each other, great heroes were lost on both sides. The Dagda tried to hit on the one side of his curb to kill the other side to bring back to life, but he did not have the time to be bringing back those to live as he had to kill those that were coming towards him. There were so many heroes to be faced, so many fights to be fought, that Shreng could only knock so many down before the 
slick, agile weapons of the Tuete Danin could be seen coming at them over pointed shield and spears thrown, sharp swords cutting so hard into the flesh of the Fearbulg. Many died that day, but Curb set his eyes on the Dogda. Curb and Dogda, they fought a bloody battle that day, knocking each other down. But the Dogda, having his battering blows, beating Curb back, he bludgeoned his brains into the soil, bloodening them onto the plains of Munchura. And so it was that when the two of the Danim left that day, they brought more heads to make a great cairn, and each side had cairns of fallen. Both sides were weary, bludgeoned, bruised and beaten, for a third day of battle was so tough and so hard, not a warrior on the field left without a scar. But the inskect healing herbs rejuvenated the Tuatha and the Dagda he played on his harp of the songs to heal the minds for the loss of many lives so the Tuatidanin could cry for the fallen, rejuvenate their victory, their mind's eye now set to beat the Fearbulg the next day. On the fourth day, the Fearbulg were weary indeed. Weary and feeling already defeated, feeling already as though this battle was lost. But they were not a people who gave up easily. And at this final hour, the sage arrived. Finton MacBokra coming to their rescue, coming to give the counsel to their king, coming with his 13 warrior sons, all brilliant, all in the prime of their lives. And Finton went into council with King Uchi. The two wise men put their two wise heads together and Finton said that if the head of the snake was cut, the rest of the snake would fall. They must concentrate all their efforts, everything that they had, on taking out the king of the Tua de Danan and killing Nuada. Ohi was careful this day with how he arrayed his troops. Curb had died of his wounds from the battle with the Dagda. And he was no longer there to lead. And so Ohi changed the disposition of the troops. He put the veterans on the flanks. He put the younger men in the middle so they would be bolstered by them. Behind them again were older men too old to fight and servants to bring them food and water and supplies to keep them going through the day because on this day the Fairbolg had decided there would be no surrender whether or not there was defeat or victory they were not going to give up they were not going to leave some even tied themselves to the pillars of the poets so that even if they wanted to, even if their courage failed them, there would be no way that they could run from the battlefield and the terrible beauty of the two Adidanen. And Finton's thirteen sons 
They made straight as an arrow, straight as the flight of a hawk for Nuada and his bodyguard of elite soldiers. And they cut down Nuada's bodyguard, but every one of Fintan's sons was cut down in his turn. And when he saw that from atop his pillar, Fathok, the poet of the Firbolg, he sang a lament and his words and his melody rang out over the battlefield. He saw the end of the Firbolg. That even though they still stood and still breathed and still fought, the battle was over. And they had lost. Soaked, sodden and sticky with rain and blood, the plain it's hard to walk in, let alone stand in, let alone fight in. But the fighting was not done, as every one of the Tuatha Danann was weaving their way through the battlefield with such skill and such grace they were causing destruction in the face of the Fearbulg, as they threw their lives at them, not wanting to flee, but facing them till death met them. And as Shreng went and now saw so many beaten and so many battered and so many bloodied, he saw the King Nuada without his cohort around him. And he took out his great battle axe and went launching straight for him, dealing him nine great blows. But Nuada was quick, just as quick as Shreng had thought he might be, as he parried and ducked and dived dealing nine blows swiftly to the side of Shreng, who managed to not get killed, and in doing so, swung the great axe to the side of Nuada, chopping his arm from him. The Dagda saw this and reached his good hand and pulled Nuada away from his certain death, as Shreng dug his battle axe into the ground, missing Nuada by a hair. The fighting could only get worse as Shreng scanned the bloody battlefield then. And for every one that was dying, he saw more die still, and he saw the Tue de Danon now. Every one of the heroes were taken to the field, with shining lights coming from them, emanating from the greatness of their heroes. The Dagda, Agma, together with Bress the Beautiful, were carving through. And now Angus, Ead, Kermit the Fair, Midir, Bovdarag, Nuada the High King was safe with one arm still, as Brian, Icar, and Ichabur, the three sons of Tyran, took his place, while Ku, Cian, and Cethin, the three sons of Kaincha, cut through them, and Gobnu the smith was on the field, and Credna the craftsman, Thien Kek the physician was even fighting, and the three queens, Era, Fola, and Bamba. They were casting spells, pushing the Firbolg back, and the three sorceresses, Maka, Bav, Maragin, behind them, Mekema and Danon herself were causing the greatness of the Fearbolg to shrink away as the Tua Dei would surely claim this day. Shreng picked up his battle axe, never giving up, resolute till the end. The High King of the Fearbolg, Ochi the first true High King this island had ever seen. King who ruled from the province of Tara. A king in whose reign no rain fell. 
until the coming of these new people who brought with them blood and rain and tears. A king in the truest sense of the word. For all this fight he had held back, he had directed, he had coordinated. But now he saw there were too few on the field. And so the king of the Fairbolog took up his arms and took to the field to rally his own troops. But it was late in the day and his troops were tired. And when they saw him coming, the sorcerers of the Tua de Danon, they put spells on him, spells and hexes. And a terrible thirst came over King Oki. And at the same time, the sorcerers of the Tua de Danon, they put a curse on him and all the water in this waterlogged island ran away from him and he could not get a sip of it to quench this terrible thirst, this maddening thirst. The thirst so consumed him that he ran from it, ran wild, forgetting the battle, forgetting everything except this terrible thirst, the dryness in his mouth, the thickness of his tongue. His eyes seemed to bulge out of his head. He ran all the way to the coast, all the way to the strand. And following behind him was a warrior of the Tua de Danon. Bress the Beautiful. Their champion, their shining, lovely, graceful warrior, he pursued the cursed king to the strand. And there, where Oki, in his despair, tried to drink the waters of the sea, driven mad with his own thirst breasts, cut him down and killed the first true high king like a dog on the strand. When Shreng saw this, his heart, not broken, not breaking, beat faster. And he called those who were surviving the fight to him, and he gave them one last call. For all around them he saw the horror of this war. He saw Fintan crying over his blooded sons. Many had lost their lives in this terrible fight. The fort now of the Fearbolg was surrounded by dogs eating on the bodies that were piled high and the blood pouring down from this fort was like a river. Shreng told them then that they had found their time to make their story great. But the Fearbolg would not be forgotten, he said. We gave battle resolutely and there was great clashing of swords, strong playing of spears by noble heroes, the breaking of shields with battle axes, but now the troubles of Ireland are full, and disaster is what we have found in this fight. But let us not stop here, let us not live under the yoke of another, for today we will give them our death. And with this great call, a cry came up from the Fearbolg. 
uprising in them now was not the hope of victory, but the hope that they could burn themselves into the memories of the poets and bards that were watching, that they could give such a fight so fiercely that the Thuaday Danin would always remember them, that they would burn themselves into the very ground they were pouring their blood into. And when they saw this, the Dagda, who had pulled Nuada, his king of the Tuatidanen, away to save them. Well, the Dagda called a halt to the fight. The Tuatidanen sprang back like cats when thrown water. And each one of them looked at the Fearbulg running and rushing towards them, but the Dagda, the good god, held up his hand to stop them. He begged for a cease now in this fighting, for these great heroes the Dagda knew should be given a place in this land to live in, a place should be found for them to stay, and sharing in this island's future is what they should do. And he offered this to Shring, not to be under the yoke of the Tuatitanen, but to live wherever they chose, wherever they saw fit, with the two a day alongside them. Shreng glowered, but knowing life was worth living, he nodded and he chose the very province they were standing in. He chose Connacht. And by doing so, he told the Dagda and the two to get out and leave them be. And so the Ferbolag forced their victors to retreat before them, the ones who defeated them, fleeing according to their own promises and their own words. And there on the bloodied plains of Connacht, the poets climbed down from their pillars the first battle of Moitura had ended. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan and Rory O'Shea. You can find out more about us on our website, candletales.ie. And we're on all the social media, so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales, or send us a message to get onto our mailing list. For more videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist, hashtag Candlelit Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We also do really like to hear back from you with any questions, requests or comments. Leave them in the section below. If you want to find out about our courses, anything like that, just drop us a line. And we especially appreciate you listening. <laughs>